Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Straight ahead on SportsCenter, will the Cavs be losers of five straight at the end of the night? Or will they straighten things out against the Wizards on ESPN? Tough to keep Ezekiel Elliott's status straight these days. He's eligible to play Sunday against the Chiefs. We've got reactions straight from Elliott himself. And Lonzo Ball was straight up terrible last night. Could he afford to get straight cooked by D'Angelo Russell tonight at Staples? There, or here rather, is a look at your... There you go. Six at six for tonight, including a day of perhaps mixed emotions in Houston. All right, but let's begin with what is certainly the most intriguing game of the night, as you just mentioned, Mike Cavs looking to avoid a fifth straight loss tonight against the Wizards. LeBron will be super focused. Uh, He hasn't played in five straight losses since March of 2011 when he was with the Heat. And he's also mired in the worst eight-game start since his rookie season. Here's LeBron on the state of the Cavs. We're definitely struggling right now, which is, I mean, which is okay. I mean, I felt that we would have, we would struggle at some point throughout the season. I think it's surprising to all of us that it's happening right now, but hey, it is what it is. And, you know, it's uh, exciting to see how we can, uh, you know, turn this thing around. It's going to be a good challenge for us. I mean, a Friday night playing against the Wizards, we know they get very excited to play uh, us, and they, they're always excited to play, especially in, their, in front of their home fans. So it'll be a good test for us. All right, DB is in D.C. for Cavs-Wizards tonight. Now, Doris, depending on who you ask, you'll get a different reason for the Cavs' struggles. Bad defense, no Kyrie, new players, old. What do you see as what is causing this bad start? You know what, Jamel, I think it's probably an amalgamation of many things. And I think one thing that people have focused on is the defensive end of the floor, and rightly so, right, because they have been abysmal. But I think you also have to consider the complete lack of continuity for a team that has so many new faces. Jay Crowder begins the season as a starter, then he moves to the bench, then he goes back into the starting lineup tonight. Uh, You look at somebody like Tristan Thompson, who's now out for at least a month with that calf injury, obviously a tremendous roller, great rim protector defensively. I just think there's been a lack of continuity for this team and they're making four fewer threes per game over the last two seasons J.R. Smith has made almost 300 threes he's not shot the ball well there is a lot going on with the Cavs it's interesting to note we talked to LeBron James this morning he seems remarkably confident after appearing slightly grumpy after the loss to Indiana all right uh, Doris you'll forgive me even though we're both journalists by trade a malfication like what's that what a word I wondered, I wondered if you'd come back at me. Oh, and you I know we, were. You we were going to let that slide. <laughs> we don't know what you said after that. We were I was still like, looking wait, it up. A <laughs> Good stuff, Doris. Uh, thanks for we'll see us. you on the call at the top of the hour. As for how the other half lives, all is not exactly well with the Wizards these days. Last time we had them on ESPN, as a matter of fact, they were losing to Lonzo and the Lakers and have since dropped games to the Warriors and Suns as well. But let them tell it, they are the class of the Eastern Conference. They are the hunted. In fact, John Wall and Bradley Beal did tell it to the jump earlier today. When you guys play these regular seasons games against the Cavaliers, is it an opportunity to kind of imprint on them to get in their head a little bit about what you can do in case you do see them in the playoffs again? I think just matching up with a period, even if it's 
we win or lose or it's a great game, I think they understand what we can bring to the table. And uh, I think if you look at last year, people might say they didn't or didn't, but I think they didn't want them to see for a reason because we would have played them in the second round. You think that they avoided you in the seating <laughs> yeah, so they would not honest, have to play I think so. <laughs> I think they wanted to see us in the Easy Conference Finals, and we fell one game short of that. I think we just give them the best matchup problems out of any team in the East. All right, the jumps. Rachel Nichols is here with us now. So, Rachel, as big as a November 3rd game can be, do you see tonight's game as being bigger for the Cavaliers or the Wizards? Well, it's funny. In the short term, the answer is the Cavaliers, right? They need to get back on track. Beating a team like the Wizards, such a solid, talented team, a team that runs, will go a long way to restoring their confidence, sort of putting a finger in the dam and not having things flood for them more. Long term, however, the answer is the Wizards. They want the confidence of knowing they have beat this team. They want to start laying the groundwork for what they feel might be the matchup in the Eastern Conference Finals. At least, guys, they think they're going to be there. They don't know if Cleveland will. Well, Rachel, I don't know how you kept a straight face when uh, John Wall said that to some degree because he's talking about them being avoided by the Cavaliers. Like, is he serious? Like, do they really? And you don't get these style points or, or a cookie for being the team you think that the the finals participant avoided? I mean, that, that sounds, do they understand how kind of laughable that, that sounds when they say it? I mean, it's amazing to me only because I was around the Cavaliers team last March, and I can tell you, I don't think they were together or organized enough to tank. You know, you remember <laughs> right. what the bad run they went on. So so I think maybe that's giving them too much credit. Um, I know what he means. He feels that they wanted to put them off. Obviously, the Cavs don't think that that is the case and deny that they were tanking out of the number one seed to avoid the Washington Wizards. But I guess you got to like the confidence. I, I don't know. Yeah, look, Rachel, I, I don't think it's critical for the Cavs short-term and obviously not long-term. I mean, no Kyrie, no Shump, no Tristan Thompson, no IT yet, no chemistry, no, no rhythm, IT. all of those things. So there's a lot of the Cavaliers, we don't know who they are at this point. But as for the Washington Wizards, they're going to be the Washington wannabes if they don't win this game tonight at home against that Cavaliers team. <laughs> it's like, okay, if you want to think you're the best like we're talking about, you got to at least beat the right. Cavs at home when they're not at their best because what shot would you have of beating them down the road once LeBron and company figure it out? So if the Wizards don't win this game tonight, answer my own question about who it's bigger for, obviously it is the Wizards. <laughs> if they don't win it tonight, they'll be the ones with and the air it out meetings tomorrow. They'll be having team meetings looking in the mirror if they don't win this game tonight. And, Michael, you didn't even need a thesaurus to answer your own question. So unlike Doris with the big words, well, you could just lay Doris it down is just, infinitely just there. smarter than me, as are you, Rachel Nichols. Thank you for making us smarter. We appreciate it. All right, in the event you've lost count, this is the third time a federal court has intervened on Ezekiel Elliott's behalf. The administrative stay request approved by the Second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals on Friday only remains in place through Sunday. So Elliott will be suspended again for six games heading into Week 10. But if the Second Circuit Court were to grant an emergency injunction next week. Elliott, who has rushed for 413 yards over the past three games, would be eligible until a decision is made on the NFLPA's appeal by a three-judge panel, perhaps next week. Here's the kicker. If the suspension begins in week 13 or later, it would extend into any potential Cowboys playoff games. Here's Ezekiel Elliott today. No. I mean, this is bigger than a suspension. It's bigger than football. Them trying to make me something I'm not. And I'm not an abuser. That's not who I am. It's my name, and this is something. It's my reputation. It's something I have to live with beyond football. So every day is worth fighting. Jamal, that answered no to cheer it off the top. That was him asking or answering the question whether or not it was too risky for him to keep fighting, given that the suspension could take effect if they were to make the playoffs. 
Do you think he's just prolonging the inevitable and should just drop it and take the suspension now? Or are you with him that you got to keep fighting this? I, I don't know if it was uh, the, the first time, because um, it's hard to keep all these rulings straight, all these injunctions and everything straight. But They're not even talking about the, the case right now. No, this is no, just this about is, the injunction th- this itself. This is about the injunction yeah. itself. But just we've been through this process a few times, is my point. And there was a time or, um, or, or some moments where I've wondered uh, that, would Ezekiel Elliott be better off just serving the suspension because of what it could cost him in terms of his season uh, and just to get it over with because it was starting to take on shades of Tom Brady? Mm-hmm. Like, I still don't believe Tom Brady did anything wrong, but I understand why he stopped fighting it. Uh, but in this case, I, I think it's a lot different. Like, it, it's one thing that if we're talking about deflated footballs, it's another thing when we're talking about your reputation, your character, your integrity, and especially with the issue as serious as domestic violence. Granted, there are going to be some people who, no matter how this turns out, especially if he winds up ultimately winning this case, winning this appeal, who will think that he's somehow guilty. And but that's what I'm this saying. There's going to be of, some people. People have made up their minds on that already. But I understand I don't he, what he means, though. But, I mean, I, I'm with him. Like, you keep fighting because this is, as he said, he doesn't want to be known as an abuser. He doesn't feel late. like he did anything no, but, wrong. No, but too late. I mean, whether see, first of all, reasonable people would look at this and say, well, if he wasn't charged, let alone convicted, in a court of law as it relates to this case. So I think most people aren't looking to the NFL as the, as the gospel as it relates to his guilt or innocence. That I'm said, not entirely they, sure about that. No, no, I'm saying reasonable people. Okay, so, okay. So, you oh, did no, say reasonable. I'm, You're right. I'm, but I'm saying there are people already, regardless of how this plays out, this is a subtle disagreement I have with you, is there are people already who have come to the determination that he's either guilty or innocent. Already. Right. I think people have forgotten what this case is even about at this point. This is about Article 46. Mm-hmm. This is about the NFL's investigation, whether or not it was fair. If you... I don't know that how many people actually think of domestic violence at this point when they discuss Ezekiel Elliott. There are more people thinking about the fantasy ramifications than the reality of what he may or may not have done to Tiffany Thompson. So I'm, I understand why you fight it if you believe you, if you are innocent. You can't believe you're innocent. You either are or you are. You are. Uh, if you're innocent, you absolutely fight it. But from a football standpoint, you can't take a knee on this pardon the pun, or pardon the play on words, you can't say, you know what, I'm just going to concede this defeat and take my medicine now because you may not make the playoffs. They, they run him 29 times a game in the last couple of games. So if he were to sit now, who's to say that they would have playoff games for him to miss if he were to ultimately lose on the injunction appeal? Well, I do disagree in the sense that I, I do think enough people, because um, of the, the volume of this case, because of who he is, that they, they still do associate his name with domestic violence. And I don't think that's going to change is all I'm saying. It, no, like it, if, he, it, if he ultimately prevails in court, somebody's not going to say, oh, you know what? Turns out he was innocent. It, no, it just means they out-argued the NFL. But when that is the nature of how this all started, I very much understand why he would exhaust 100%. every opportunity 100%. to Same clear thing with his Tom name. Brady. Yep. Let's go to Houston, where the Texans are figuring out how to deal with the loss of Deshaun Watson. You can't really replace Deshaun Watson. You know what I mean? The kid's been playing absolutely lights out. and But that's not my job. My job is to go out there and, and help this team win and do whatever I can to help. We're not going to give in to what's out there, that the, you know, the demise of the Houston Texans is upon us. I mean, like, that's ridiculous. You know, we're going to show up and, and fight and play, and Savage will be the quarterback, and uh, Yates will be the backup, and we'll go from there. So, Jeff Darlington, you spent a lot of time with this Texans team this season, going back to Hurricane Harvey, and you've seen them dealing with literal life and death. So, that said, what do you take away uh, from the time that you spent with the Texans today, Jeff? Well, Mike, this is pretty wild. I was actually in the locker room, and Deshaun Watson walked past me, not with uh, any kind of limp in his gait at all, not on crutches, no knee brace. 
you actually would have felt being in that locker room like nothing was different at all, uh, completely normal Friday. And maybe that does speak to the resiliency of this team that has gone through so much, starting with Hurricane Harvey and then dealing with the season-ending injuries to J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless in the same game. Then the controversial comments recently from owner Bob McNair. And now, from a football perspective, the most brutal of all, losing to Sean Watson in the middle of this great season. So uh, I think that this is a group that is starting to get accustomed to dealing with with these bumps in the road. Tom Savage said that Bill O'Brien has done an excellent job in communicating with the team, not simply saying, hey, show up to practice at 9 a.m. and ignore all the noise, but instead speaking with them about the adversity they've faced, and it's keeping them together as a group. That's the good news. The bad news is this team now has Tom Savage at quarterback and is going to need better pass protection if, in fact, they're going to survive uh, the rest of this season. They are 3-4 and four right now. They're still a game out from the Titans uh, and the Jags right now in their division, so they are still alive, but they've got a lot of fight left. Bill O'Brien, you heard him. He says that they believe that they still can salvage this season. But, man, Mike... They've been through a lot, and they're going to go through a lot more from here, I bet. Yeah, Jeff, Tom Savage's next touchdown will be his first. Thank you, Jeff. We appreciate it, man. All right, luckily, his Houstonians had the world champion Astros to help pick up their spirits. Fans began camping out for a spot to watch the Astros parade, just the third championship parade in the city's history before dawn. The largest school district in Houston canceled classes. It was literally a holiday in Houston when we got beat by New York in New York that we weren't supposed to win, right? How'd that work out? I got told before game seven, apparently we didn't have a chance. How'd that work out? I really love you guys. I love every single one of y'all out here today. The whole city, the whole state. But now, you guys know what we are? We're limousine riding. Jet flying. Kiss-stealing, wheeling-dealing, son-of-a-guns, woo! Ric Flair never gets old. Uh, But the very definition right there of joy and pain, word to Frankie Beverly. Uh, You lose to Sean Watson, celebrate the Astros' first World Series title in franchise history. Uh, So, Mike, with this juxtaposition of emotions, how should Houston fans feel today there's no mixed emotions here whatsoever they should feel euphoric okay not only do you have the astros winning a championship you have the rockets once chris paul gets back as contenders certainly not predicting a championship for them and you may have lost to sean watson for the season but you finally found your franchise quarterback list of teams that would trade places with the texans in terms of qb cardinals niners vikings giants dolphins bills jets ravens Bengals, browns Maybe not the Browns. Colts, Jags, because they had that chance. Colts, Jags, um, Broncos, Chargers. Am I missing anybody? Those are all the people that would love to have Deshaun Watson, who is not Robert Griffin III. I don't see this as the beginning of the end. I see this as just the beginning for him. He's somebody that can be proficient from the pocket. The issue with RG3 was once he lost his ability to be as explosive as a runner, did not seem to be able to transition into being the pocket passer. I don't see that being a problem with a kid who has torn his ACL and come back from it before. This is more Randall Cunningham to me than Robert Griffin III. He'll be back. He'll be fine. And you you see the promise that he has. So there's no no reason for anybody in Houston to feel upset about the Texans while still enjoying the, the Astros. Enjoy all things Houston right now. Well, I think disapp- Shout out to Bun B and Paul Wall. <laughs> I think disappointment is in order. I understand that. But I'm with you. Like, there's so much to look forward to 
if you're a Houston fan, not just with the Rockets, but the fact that the Astros, this could be the beginning of a dynasty. Okay? Got, this is practice when it comes to parades today. Yep, they the, could have a lot of parades in their future. They definitely could. You said it was a third one? It's just third the other one, two were just the Rockets then, right? The, the last one was the Rockets yeah. in 95. So you're talking about just hope springing eternal there. And look, I know that the rest of this football season is probably going to be a little harrowing. Clearly, Tom Savage is not the answer for them long term. No. I'm sure they'll go through some ups and downs. But as you said, it's so many teams that need and want a player like Deshaun Watson. I'd be so excited about the future and so excited about having somebody who has the potential, I think, one day to be an NFL MVP. Yeah. Right? And there's a lot of teams that, that really can't say that. So he, I think his electricity, he'll be back. Um, and, and they'll be stronger than Juxtapose ever. Juxtapose their situation with the Colts, and Andrew Luck has a shoulder injury. Right. ACL. And they might have things. to look at another quarterback come the draft. All right. Uh, Dame time. Dame dollar in a step back three with seven-tenths of a second left to seal the game for Portland last night. Maybe in due time, Lonzo Ball will hit crucial shots like that. But first, the rookie has actually got to take some shots. Ball put up a donut and attempted just two field goals in 29 minutes. In fact, Ball became the only starting point guard to be held scoreless in 25 or more minutes this season. And as if Lonzo coming off his worst game yet, and that's saying something, wasn't enough. He's got the Lakers' last point guard savior, D'Angelo Russell, and the Nets coming to town tonight. Jordan Clarkson says he knows deloading is getting He's getting set to be fired up, and he's going to come out firing, looking to score 30 or 40 in the 2015 second overall pick's first return to Los Angeles since the Lakers traded him to Brooklyn. Russell's Nets averaging 114.6 points. That's third highest in the NBA. They play at the quickest pace with Russell averaging 21.7 on 46.6% shooting. Nick Young never wants to let a fish swim by, <laughs> Chanel. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. Um, look, I, I think the expectation, especially seeing how he played last night, a lot of people think Lonzo Ball, uh, given the circumstances with D'Angelo Russell surely having some revenge on his mind, that he's ripe to get cooked tonight. But Can he afford that? Can Lonzo afford to get cooked by his predecessor? No, he can't. I don't think he can in general, whether he was facing D'Angelo Russell or, or any other point guard in the NBA. I, I think the thing that most concerned me watching him play last night against Portland is that he seemed intimidated. And, you know, he has that funky... That's a trigger word. He seemed intimidated. He has that funky shooting motion. Intimidated offensively, I should say. Like, he's a, okay. the kid is a spectacular rebounder. Sees the floor great. We know he loves to get other teammates involved. But when it comes to his offense, the confidence just isn't there. Is he just unselfish to a fault? Because you said intimidated. Obviously, the the, the buzzword today has been too passive. I do because I think he's he's struggling trying to figure out how he can get his shot off. His very unique yes, shooting motion, unique. which a lot of people have scouted him coming in, saying he's a tough right. time, especially going right, getting it up. I, I don't see it as intimidated. I see him as just being unselfish to a fault. And I don't think that they're that he's soft as a result of that. You know no, what I'm no, saying? No. I, I think but that's but to me, if it were if this was too big for him, okay, that would be problematic. But if his biggest fault is wanting to get two others too involved, he can overcome that and be more aggressive. All I know is you weren't here when his, his first game. When Patrick Beverly got in him, you know, I, I, I was like, okay, is this the beginning? And Lonzo and LeVar Ball, excuse me, wouldn't stop chirping. I'm like, is this going to be the beginning of a tough stretch? And then he comes out and gets 29, albeit against the Suns, but 29 and almost a triple-double. So all I'm saying is I can totally see him bouncing back and being more aggressive. He has that in him. It just feels like there's just this desire. We talk about the target on his back when it comes to other NBA players because of his dad. And I'm not saying you're doing mm-hmm. this. 
it seems that there's a desire to proclaim him a bust very early. Oh, yeah. That he has some inherent flaw in him where he's not going to be able to live up to the hype, as opposed to being somebody that's figuring this whole thing out. Well, I think people also forget that there is a learning curve, even if you're him and you've been in the spotlight for as long as he has. I mean, but look, play one year of college. Thank you. I mean, he played one year of college. His body hasn't even fully developed yet into an NBA type of body. And he's, I would say that about anybody. I'm yeah, not just trying to play with kid gloves with LeVar I, Ball's with kid. You. I would say that with anybody. No, I, I would too. And so the struggles that he has, I consider this to be normal. Because what happens to a lot of players, look, summer league is one thing. Preseason mm-hmm. is one thing. But when you get to this point where it's where the games really actually matter, then grown men out here, man. Yes, grown men out here, they scout you, they understand your tendencies, and this is where you as a player has to evolve. So I think this is just normal rookie uncertainty. So you know how Dame was doing this last night? Mm-hmm. There's gonna be a lot of this tonight. <laughs> All with D- with blood. D'Angelo? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's gonna, I, I think he's gonna, he's gonna get gonna, some shots. He's gonna look for blood. So the Cavs are just awful right now. Uh, how awful? They've trailed for 252 minutes so far this season, which is third most in the NBA behind the Kings and Mavericks. So what's the deal? Well, for one, they failed to defend the, the three-point line. Cleveland's opponents are averaging 14 threes per game and making 42% of them. Both those stats are league highs. And Poor keep Lord. in mind, the Cavs aren't losing two good teams. Their five losses have been to teams that had a combined win percentage of 380 last season. Look at me. <laughs> I ain't slept in days, but just, you know, that's just part of my job. And, um, you know, we got to figure it out. And I thought, you know, last game we got, you know, we got beat towards the end of the game uh, pretty convincingly, but I thought we did some good things offensively, uh, moving the basketball, we didn't play with more pace, but now we just got to be able to sustain it. So um, it's coming around. We got to continue to keep building. I love this quote from D. Wade. He said that last year in Miami, we went to the finals and then we got beat by the Spurs. Mm-hmm. He said, I don't know how we made it. As a team, we were kind of like this. It was worse because it wasn't new guys. It was guys who had been around each other four years in a row. Your jokes aren't funny anymore to other guys. <laughs> when you walked in, it wasn't a big smile anymore. Guys were just over you. It's like being in a bad marriage, which he knows nothing about, nor do I. Because my jokes are still funny and my wife lights up when I walk so in the So you think she just loves you enough not to tell you they're not? Are my jokes still funny to you in terms of our work relationship? Sometimes. Okay. Uh, it was funny. To me, earlier when you said that you thought that the Cavs needed to win this game tonight more than the Wizards. Expound on that, please. Because I think they need it to some degree for their psyche. I mean, LeBron. The Cavs. The Cavs do. I mean, this is not to suggest that LeBron, uh, who's been through, um, granted, it's been a long time, as we pointed out earlier, he hasn't started, got off to a bad, this bad of an eight-game start since his rookie season. Mm -hmm. But he... I think he can draw on his Miami experience, so it was good that D-Wade uh, talked about that. Not necessarily with that season when they lost to the Spurs. I think more so the first year they mm-hmm. came together and they got off to that rocky start and everybody was, you know, had their jokes and, and all that sort of thing. So I think he understands, though he's not one to take losing lightly, sure. I think he understands that it is a process. But I think it would, it would just be a sigh of relief for them all if they were able to get this win tonight. Look, what Ty Lue saying earlier this week, that they're not having any fun – and for them to have the airing of grievances in a team meeting, yeah, I think tonight that they need something to just kind of make them no, they, feel no, good. They don't. I mean, win or lose, they're still not the Cavs that they're going to be. Hopefully not. I mean, I, I look at the bright side the same way they do. If you're going to struggle, struggle at the beginning of the season. IT's not there yet. Tristan Thompson's out tonight. Shumpert's out tonight. They're still learning one another. You know, obviously LeBron wasn't there in training camp. D. Rose in and out. Whatever, whatever. I, the Cavs, this, this is nothing. They just need to be playing better. When you bring up Psyche, how do you say that the Cavs psyche 
needs this more than a Wizards team who wants to talk about how the Cavs were lucky to avoid them last year. And trust me, I drove the Wizards bandwagon last year. You know know I was all over them. Washington wannabes, if they can't beat the Cavaliers tonight at the crib with the Cavaliers struggling the way that they are, how are you going to beat them at their best if you can't beat them at their, look, at their look, worst, presumably? The fact that the Wizards, the Wizards need this. want to pat themselves on the back and come up with this hypothetical that the Cavs are somehow trying to avoid them, I just can't even take that seriously. Okay, but they okay. do. So what happens if they lose it? They're going to go in the locker room and say, we still the best team? We still well, the, the class that of the East? They're going to have a team meeting. I'm sure they'll come up with something else. They're going to have, okay? to have a team they'll meeting. They'll get creative, all right? Okay. But I think the Cavs kind of need this one. All right. uh, on to some college football. Virginia Tech, Miami, just one of seven matchups. This weekend between ranked teams tied for the most in a single week in the AP poll era. Those matchups include LSU against Alabama and Tuscaloosa and Bedlam between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Should be a great college football weekend as it is most weeks. And here to break it down with us, Jesse Palmer. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. So, Jesse, you see those slate of games. Pick upset. What you got? I got Iowa State beating West Virginia on the road. Iowa State, a totally different team since Kyle Kemp's taken over at quarterback four games ago against Oklahoma. They've got confidence on offense right now. They're finding a lot of explosive plays. He's been making great decisions. He's been accurate, taking advantage of Alan Lazard outside. They've beaten two top four teams since he's taken over. They've got a great running back in David Montgomery that keeps defenses honest. But I love this team's defense. They do a fantastic job taking the football away, which will be huge playing on the road against an explosive West Virginia offense led by Will Greer, quarterback. But how about Iowa State? Mm. They're one of four four and one teams in conference play in the Big 12. They've already beaten TCU. They've already beaten Oklahoma. If they get through West Virginia, they get Oklahoma State next week at home. They've probably gotten the easiest path to the Big 12 title game, and that's incredible when you consider they went three and nine a year ago. Yeah. Wow. Huge yeah. jump. So it sounds like you're saying, you're saying this is an upset in ranking only. Yeah. If that impressed yeah. with them the way they've played in the giant killers that they are. This is, you would, seen, yeah. No, if you've seen this team and yeah. the way they beat Oklahoma and the oh, way yeah. they played that against ECU, especially Absolutely. on defense, yeah. it's a little bit surprising mm-hmm. to hear that they're actually a dog playing against West Virginia. What do you got? Uh, this might shock you. Don't do it. Michigan State. Should, all, right, all right, move on. Let's talk, let's wow. talk about something. Let's talk about something. Realistically, Barkley's still playing, right? Yeah, he is. You know what he did last she year, is. which is not a whole lot. Yeah. I am concerned about It'd how— It'd be upset if you didn't take this opportunity <laughs> no. to pick Michigan State. No, I thought, look, come on. Uh, Mark D'Antonio. Can you pick another one? That goes without no, saying. No, look, in November, he's 25 and 10. He knows this is the most important time of the year to be playing your best football. And there's something to be said for a little bit of the revenge factor. I mean, Penn State, they beat the brakes off of Michigan State last year. And uh, there was a lot going on— with the team in general, uh, I think that the way that Mark D'Antonio has coached this team, I really think that they're going to upset Penn State and East Lansing. Or okay. East Lansing, as we call it. You don't know about that. Sure. Objective <laughs> analysis. It was objective. Sure. Maybe Penn State hurting sure. a little bit after the loss. Thank you. Saquon Barkley, with this. Saquon Barkley had 14 yards against the them last right. year, okay? Okay. How about this? Okay, because when the rankings came out last Tuesday, Jesse, I, I, think, I think I might have talked to you about this. Um, I had Clemson in my third spot Mm -hmm. because they may have the quote-unquote worst loss to Syracuse, Mm -hmm. but they have the best excuse, which was Kelly Bryant being concussed in that game, right? What about them, though, going at NC State? Whose run defense was shredded they were. by and Josh Adams and over Notre Dame. Exactly. Yeah. Like they, they were giving up 91 mm-hmm. yards and they gave up 318. Obviously, yep. their running back was hurt early. He yep. should be good to yep. go against, uh, against uh, Clemson. What about that? I, I, I could feel NC State I, knocking off the Tigers. I like Clemson on the road in this one, and okay. I think you just sort of hit on it. I think NC State right now is just a very beat up team. And the up. running back you're referencing is Naheem Hines, yep. who only had two carries against Notre Dame. This guy's a home run hitter. Mm-hmm. He's an explosive play waiting to happen. Without him, 
maybe being 100% without him being able to go potentially. Now Jalen Samuel is their best wide receiver, has to play a little bit more at running back. You mentioned that defense that got shredded against Notre Dame running it. They also have three D linemen that got a little bit dinged up in that yeah. game, too, on their way to giving up 318 yards. Clemson, meanwhile, the team that's getting healthy. Yeah, you said it. Brian at quarterback now is getting close to 100%. And they understand this could be a playoff eliminator in the ACC if NC State wins and they hand Clemson their second loss. So I think sense of urgency for Clemson right. on the road. A little, little too much, you know, in terms of injury I for think NC so. State. Yeah, I, I just think too right. banged up. I got you. Okay. Right. Well, thanks for joining us. I just tried to at least go on on the limb. <laughs> Time for the DTM countdown. Don't use the word Pantheon on Russell Westbrook. Pantheon of point guards you're going to deal with. You know what? Pantheon is a group of point guards you're going to deal with. I'm trying to get cute, man. <laughs> you're right about that. Thank you. Uh, where's, where's Kyrie in that, in that group of guys? I don't, I don't know, brother. I don't know, man. You know, uh, it's a good group of guys uh, that compete on each and every night and basis. And, and obviously, he's one of those guys. <laughs> Check out the big brain on Brad. He is right? never making it easy. No. He's never making it easy. He's trying to get cute pantheon. Uh, we heard some big words in today's program. What was the one Doris dropped on him? A malfication. Oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, who you got tonight? Thunder uh, or Celtics? Uh, I got the Celtics. They're on a roll, obviously. I think they won, what, six in a row? Is that right? Something like that. They won a lot of games in a row. <laughs> they right? They're doing well. Yeah. Yeah, they're playing well, and so is Kyrie. All right, great analysis right there. Uh, we analyzed the Bills and how good they were. I know. All show yesterday, <laughs> only for the Jets to embarrass him on Thursday Night Football. Richie Incognito blame Thursday Night Football. Yeah, you know, it's tough, man. These Thursday Night games, they suck. They throw a, a wrench in our schedule. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's absolutely ridiculous that uh, we have to do this. Um, as physical as this game is and as, as much work and preparation that, that goes into this to, to force us to play games on four-day weeks, it's, it's completely unfair and uh, bull****. And, you know, whatever. The league makes money off of it, and uh, that's all they care about anyway. So we, uh, we just keep trucking. I want somebody to go off like that in the winning locker room. Right. Like, we won, and we got this extra time off, but <laughs> Thursday night games. Because I'm sure had they won, he wouldn't have been You saw how up. happy the Jets looked? I mean, oh. they, were, they were dancing to, what, Lil Uzi Vert or something at one point? Yeah, they you were. Know? Um, look, what happened to them well, tanking, allegedly? What'd you think of this one? I love Zay Jones' celebration. It's not quite Juju Smith-Schuster-esque. Right. But a Star Wars lightsaber chokehold. Never a bad thing. It's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty no, good. but uh, it was that was still no, a, a, a bad end for are the terrible, Bills to Which is why you really got to win it. All right. Steve Kerr got a tech in the first quarter last night against the Spurs for some not so safe for work language. I don't see it. What, it looked like oh. Neo in the Matrix. I don't see his mouth. You are unable to you speak. Sure? I don't, I, what did he say? Um, it looked well, fine to me. I, <laughs> it looked fine to me. <laughs> you know, a little creative there. Ironically, he didn't get tossed, but Greg Popovich did get tossed. Okay, you would think being in San Antonio, Pop would have had a little bit more leeway. And I didn't think what he said was nearly as bad as what Steve Kerr said. Well, all I know is they were down 19, down 19 and one by 20. Right. Only the Warriors. Well, you know, you can't lose to Kawhi. Two hot these chips. Leave them alone. Without making a face. No one yet, brother. You must not know what fraternity I'm in. Tell him, Matt. What fraternity is? Omega Sci-Fi. Till we die. Just nothing to me. <laughs> ah. 
I'm not making a face, I'm just, I'm just coughing. So everybody know about the one chip challenge? Yeah. Apparently, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't like that. So it's a ghost pepper chip? Is that what it is? We know you couldn't make it. You, just, you had the same reaction. Okay, Mike, that was, you took like two bites, and you were down for the count. You're from New Orleans. You're supposed to represent. You, you guys have spicy food. Essentially, you know, you eat it since you were born. And look at you. You think it worked. They weren't no jokes. <laughs> what were that? Denton, Texas we Denton, went to? Denton, Texas, the ghost pepper burger challenge. I ate three of them things. Marty, Marty Smith could have handled that. Always doing the most, especially when he's on South Beach. I am going to attempt the Mark Rick backflip. I'm extremely concerned about how this is going to end. So say a prayer for me, America. Okay, here we go. Welcome, America. You are welcome, America. <laughs> Marty, you should have hit him with the triple lending, man. <laughs> Melvin, get your suit on. Marty, uh, Anyway, uh, on South Beach, no, so you, man. You, you dove in the pool this morning. Uh, you went looking for the Canes turnover chain. Uh, what makes that chain so valuable? I saw you had a T-shirt with the turnover chain earlier. What you, would you do with it? I did, man, but it started to – it stunk. It's hot <laughs> down here. I had to take that thing off, man. I had to freshen up a little bit for the six. Yeah. Here is the significance of the turnover chain. It is the gaudiest, most tangible evidence that the U swag is back, devised by defensive coordinator Manny Diaz to incentivize his players to go get that football, to take it away. And it is working because the Canes lead the ACC in takeaways. It's also a phenomenon. As you said, they're making T-shirts, they're making swag, they're making gear, and they're making paper off of that thing. Now, I spent the whole day trying to find that damn chain, and I have not found it yet. Coach Diaz has that thing under lock and key like the Holy Grail. Coach, I'm coming for that chain. I want to put that thing around my neck, y'all. Dude, you sound like a mix between a preacher and a rapper right now. Do I got that hip-hop swag? Yeah, you kind of did just now, man. Do I got that hip-hop swag You kind of did. Like you about to drop some bars or something and then pass the collection plate. I mean, you I got, the, I got the video background, too. I'm, like I'm, I'm definitely looking the part. Hey, man, tell the folks at News Beach. Tell the folks at News Cafe we said what's yeah, up. Yeah, and Prime 112. Exactly. Stay, Miles, what up, Miles? Stay away from King of Diamonds, though. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Mello about his time so far in OKC. It's a, a new motivation for me, uh, a, a new energy, a new focus. Um, I, I get to enjoy the game of basketball again. Uh, have that, you know, just have that joy again. Like, I felt like I lost it a little bit in, in, in New York, and, you know, I was fighting an uphill battle, and I was trying to find motivation on a day-to-day basis and, you know, dealing with so much and still have to go out there and compete at a high level uh, night in and night out. Jalen Rose on the other side, yeah, Kyrie Irving with plenty of great things to say besides the earth being flat. In fact, he said he was <laughs> craving, uh, excuse me, he wanted an unbelievably uh, intellectual mind like Brad Stevens as a coach. He really is enjoying his time with the Celtics. So after dropping their first two games, Jalen, the Celtics have won six straight. What's clicking with the Seas? They're doing it on the defensive end. If you look at their offensive field goal percentage, it's among the worst in the league. However, they're rebounding the basketball. Their young players are growing up right in front of us. Jalen Brown has had a couple of 20-point games. Jason Tatum, who's the number three overall pick in the draft, he's playing really well. And clearly Kyrie Irving has brought them a sense of 
rejuvenation in a lot of ways. The way he dazzles with the basketball, he finishes with both hands at the hoop. Al Horford is rebounding. And you mentioned Brad Stevens, one of the best coaches in the league, not only drawing up plays out of timeouts to end quarters and whatnot, but also getting the most out of a young squad right. and getting them to play well and play well together on a nightly basis. Real quick to your point about the Celtics defense allowing an uh, NBA low 93.8 points per game. Micah Adams pointed this out that Kyrie Irving has played the most minutes for a team ranked first overall in defensive efficiency, and the Celtics are 8.4 points better per 100 possessions with him on the floor defensively mm. as opposed to what was happening in Cleveland. Yeah, so much for that narrative about him not being able to adjust to their defensive schemes. I'm looking at his former team, though, Jalen, the Cavs. They're looking to avoid their fifth straight loss uh, uh, right after us here on ESPN when they take on the Wizards. Uh, what corrections do the Cavs need to make to kind of right this thing? Well, they're so talented and they're so deep and they have LeBron James and Kevin Love. They're going to be able to beat the teams that they should on a nightly basis. However, when they go against the best teams, the glaring weaknesses for me is they can't contain the dribble and they can't rim protect. The one person that gave them that, Tristan Thompson, with his energy, his rebound and athleticism, He's now going to be out for because of a calf injury. And players get confident when they're getting buckets. And when you can score, you start to feel better about your game. So that's going to be an issue for the Cavs. And also, they're not making threes at the rapid rate that they were last year, as well as they're not shooting a really good percentage. They're used to being able to get those flurries of three-point shots. They just haven't come this year. But when we look up at the end of the year, guess who's going to win the Eastern Conference? Well, Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. we got to let you go. So, 10 seconds. Settle something between me and Jamel. Who's this a bigger game tonight for, the Cavs or the Wizards? It's always bigger for the Wizards. The Cavs have been there, done that. They went to the finals the last three years. The Wizards have to step it up. And I told everybody the Morris Twins were going to return on the same night. They lived in the same place. They have the same tattoos. They're twins. <laughs> they had the same bank account. I knew this was going to happen. All right, Jalen Rose, we appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for the love. All right. We got a pretty good heart in the paint right here. Um, James Harden's postgame face. Got a lot of fun with that. It's become a meme. A lot of people tried to recreate it. None better than that young man right there, Lil James. He, uh, James Harden even tweeted him. I think the best one out. Nailed it, young fella. <laughs> <Good stuff. laughs> that was pretty amazing. All right, before we call it a day, who had a good day? Man, it is a real good day for Carolyn Wozniacki. Um, her and David Lee, they are engaged now. But you have to check out this ring that she has. It's a flawless diamond. Eight carats. Eight, look at that. Okay, because eight is her favorite number. All right. That's incredible. For me, the last time the Sixers had a winning record was November 13, 2013, according to Elias. So I'm calling it. When my Sixers beat the Pacers tonight, Philly will have a winning record for the first time in 326 games. You do the math, that's almost four full seasons. Trust the process, baby. I realize you're not right often. So this is why you have to cease to take take advantage of that. I'll take the challenge with you any day of the week. That's it for the six. Sports Center continues on ESPN (laughs) News. Cavs, Wizards is next. Please, my back hurts from carrying you. (laughs) Golly. (laughs) 